You're listening to People in Profit, a podcast that focuses on elevating humanity through business, sponsored by Conscious Capitalism Arizona. And now, let's hear from our hosts, Jeremy and Sarah. Thank you for joining us today for the People and Profit, Elevating Humanity Through Good Business podcast. Good business is the answer to many of the global issues that humankind is facing, and that is what we dive into on this show. We are working to change the capitalism narrative by shining a bright light on the stories of good business and encouraging companies to follow in the path of others who are having great success taking care of both their bottom lines and the people they serve. I am Jeremy Neese, one of your show co-hosts and also a member of the Conscious Capitalism Arizona leadership team. I'm joined today for the second show in a row, pinch hitting and doing an outstanding job. Kendra Maples, thanks for joining. Of course. I'm excited to join you again, Jeremy. Uh, We have two amazing ladies that I am so excited to have on the show and to have an amazing conscious conversation around. The two ladies that we have with us today, we have Jody Lowe, the CEO and founder of You and Improved. Hello, Jody. Oh, so happy to be here. We're so excited to have you here. And with you, we have Laura Hall, the partner of YZ Partners, and also the author of a new book, The ABCs of Conscious Capitalism for Kids. Laura, how are you? I am awesome, and I'm (laughs) happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. You are so welcome. We are so excited to have you two on today. I think the conversation is really going to flow and really going to connect. There's a lot of overlaps between both of you and your businesses and some of the things that you're doing with your businesses. Um, right now. So what I want to do, I want to just start with kind of hearing a little bit more about you and your businesses. Jeremy and I obviously know a little bit about you both, but we want you to be able to share with everybody else. So Jody, I'm going to start with you. If you want to give us a little bit of an insight and a background on you and you and improve. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. So uh, again, thank you so much for having me here, a part of this amazing show. So happy to be a part of the conscious capitalism community as well. So thank you for that. And uh, yeah, as mentioned, my name is Jody Lowe. I uh, am sort of a pseudo Arizonan native, kind of. I've lived here <laughs> since I was five. So when you're 48, you just round up and say you're a native. So more or less a native. Every memory I have is here. Um, and a mother of two amazing young girls that are my pride and joy. And uh, yeah, also the uh, founder and CEO of You and Improved, which is a uh, leadership training and development company. We focus on heart-based conscious leadership and uh, love working with Fortune 100 companies to small businesses to individuals that just love to be challenged and to grow. So all experiential-based training that uh, we do all across North America. Awesome. Thank you for that. And then Laura, you want to tell us a little bit more about you, your business, and kind of what you're up to? Sure. I like to say my name is Laura Hall, and I am a conscious capitalist. I really believe that capitalism can be a force for good. I have spent my career in the fashion industry. I left uh, my last corporate job as president of accessories for Polo Ralph Lauren to join forces with two other women who have sat in the C-suite, as I have at least twice. We really believe at Wise Partners, and the wise is kind of a, a play on why, wise, and we're three wise women, don't you know? Oh so we believe that it's really important 
for fashion companies and consumer goods companies to be profitable because I believe in that. And we're triple bottom line capitalist, but we believe that you can't help people. And this is all about elevating humanity through business. But we kind of know that you can't help people if you're not profitable. So our job is to help our clients get profitable, but don't give you know away anything on that purpose side. So I think that what you guys are doing in Arizona with the Conscious Capitalism Arizona chapter, I am an adopted Arizonian, I like to say. And I am so happy to be here because so many of my friends in the conscious capitalism community are in Arizona. So woohoo, Arizona. <laughs> love it. Love it. Love it. We love that. You can you can come over anytime. And you guys have you guys have a chapter out there as well. So that in itself is pretty awesome because Arizona was, oh, I'm gonna mess this up. Jeremy, this the third. Number three on the map. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then uh, San Diego was up there too. So that's awesome that you guys have a chapter, but you're jumping on with us today instead. Thank you. We got awesome. plenty of room for everyone. Even Jody's five years not in the Valley. That's okay. We'll, okay, we'll good. Good, good, good. I appreciate it. <laughs> yep, yep. Big hearts today. You know, I was really excited uh, thinking about our conversations today just because I I would frame you both as not only are you practitioners of conscious capitalism, but you have this wonderful opportunity to help others. You know, it's not just you're out there fishing and putting uh, meals on people's place, but you're actually teaching them to fish. And we're going to dig into all the levels by which you do so. Um, Laura, I think I saw languaging that you would use the new abnormal, which I don't know if that was pre-COVID-19 language or if that was adopted this year. It's applicable either way, but from somebody who is in the business of helping others make their business profitable and purposeful, what are you seeing? What are some of your key reflections of 2020 and how businesses are adapting? And Jody, I certainly have the same question for you on what you're seeing, but Laura, I'll start with you. Just what, what's, what's the pulse? How are we doing as conscious capitalists during a pandemic, in your opinion? That's a great question. And I hadn't really thought about, you know, a report card for conscious capitalism. I'd give us pretty good grades right now. I think that the conscious capitalism community and within the fashion community, conscious fashion, we've really, I think, uh, been able to get the message out. We have clients that, you know, maybe eight months ago weren't thinking about some of the things that they're thinking about now because of what's happened. We've been forced, you know, to stop, to look, to listen to stuff. And, you know, it's changing. Uh, I think for a lot of our clients who were our clients before, it's changing the sense of urgency. Uh, and we've gotten, we are very fortunate. We have pivoted. And when you say new abnormal, that's something that we used before, but we didn't realize how prescient it was going to be. <laughs> and uh, I'd say the new abnormal is an understatement for, for my industry, the fashion and re retail consumer goods industry. The two things that we at WISE have really learned is with our clients right now, given what's going on, is to just start somewhere on your journey to conscious fashion capitalism because everybody's at a different place, but you just have to start somewhere. And the other thing that I think we are really aware of is that we can't be too hard on ourselves. 
you know, uh, you have to start somewhere. And, you know, we shouldn't let perfection be the enemy of progress. So start somewhere and progress, not perfection. Because we've got a lot on our plate, but we're going to do it. And the other thing is we're going to do it by working together. This is definitely a we moment. No question. That makes perfect sense. Do you get any pushback from that? Any step is a good step when often this is sort of, you know, uh, a time of challenge and you might be more tempted than ever to, hey, we got to make payroll next month. And so now might not be that time when I take that first step, not a perfect step towards being more conscious. Are you seeing that or is no, this is actually the perfect time. I have to make tough decisions and I might as well expand the stakeholders by which I'm measuring decisions against or another. What What is your, your travels showing? What you said, the second thing you said right now actually is when many of us and our clients are being tested. None of us, I don't know anybody in my industry that hasn't been affected by this. Now, sometimes they've been able to pick up more business, but doing it differently. Almost everybody's had a people issue. All I can say and all we can say to them is to do it consciously. And what that means is that they have to be good, loving leaders. You know, I still love the four pillars of conscious capitalism, and they've never been truer than the past eight months. Be a loving leader. Care about all of your stakeholders. Now more than ever, have a caring culture. And that higher purpose, wow, this is truly the moment for that. So true. Jody, how about you? What have what has been your reflections out in the field, if you will, helping companies navigate these challenges? Yeah. Well, it, you know, it's been, as we all know, just a, a wild ride and so, so much learning, so many insights from it, which has been um really eye-opening to me how people have reacted and what they've uh, how they've responded. It just, just it, it's been very interesting to see. So one of the key things that I've seen from our existing client base going into this is the large majority looked to how do we keep, you know, I, I'm in the training space and, and everything that we really do, I'd say 90 plus percent is live experiential training and not being able to physically do that and not being able to take our existing courses and move them to a virtual format. They just don't lend themselves. The conversation quickly turned to what can we do? It wasn't, you know, let's stop. Our people don't need anything. We got to batten down the hatches. It was much more, okay, we got to batten down the hatches and how do we take care of our people? So that was very interesting that that mindset seemed to be really universal among our client base. Now, some things that we could do, some we couldn't, you know, and, and it did give me a huge opportunity to really uh, spend time to be in a creative space. I have always wanted to launch virtual programs, but it's been one of those, oh, one day, someday. <laughs> yep. Burner. Yep. I'll get to that someday. And, you know, my someday was now. And mm-hmm. the beauty of that is that it allowed me this, this, this open time where I wasn't on a stage and I wasn't on a plane and I was able to just really sit and focus and be in that creative, what do people need most? And, and I'd say that was the other piece. Um, I was extremely surprised. And, and this started to happen, I'd say more as, as the pandemic continued, less so upfront, but more so as it continued, I started to, as I would check in with clients and, and, and folks, one of the things that I was seeing a lot of is that the strongest leaders, the ones that, you know, man the ship were struggling the most. And I believe that a lot of that was coming from just the absolute 
fatigue and the length and the duration and the not being able to control anything and not knowing you can't reschedule, you can't replan, like with everything being so volatile and so up in the air, I think that loss of control over the span of time was starting to really wear. And so that was one thing that I was really making an avid point was sharing with, with them, you know, check on your strongest people (laughs) because your strongest folks are probably now beginning to struggle more than they're wanting to let on or more than you may know. And um, yeah, so, so those are probably the two things that I, I really saw and experienced the most over the, over the past several months. That makes good sense. Yeah. Jody, you mentioned, you know, that before you had that, oh, I'd love to do virtual. I'd love to do virtual. And now you're, you're thrown into it and you're forced to do it. How have you been able to change, implement? What do things kind of look like for your end now? Because I do know from following you, I know I've seen all the pictures and video of these yeah. great trainings and these great interactions and, you know, awards at the end. What, what does that look like? How, how yeah, well, you transitioned? We were able since, you know, February was one of our last classes. We were able to do one in August. We did a private class for a client in Iowa in October. And then here we are again, you know, uh, not not able to do a whole heck of a lot till till you know early next year is what we're what we're crossing our fingers and planning for. So while we weren't able to do a lot of that, um, I did create a, a new program called the Mindset Masterclass. So that was a five week or is a five week program that I do privately for companies as well as uh, did a few of them publicly throughout the summer months and into the fall. So it gave people that opportunity and, and allows them to still connect and also do the personal work of okay, where am I? Where do I want to be? How do I get there? How do I kind of clear the clutter of not just 2020, but I think one of the big gifts of 2020 is this sort of life reassessment that many of us have gone through on, hmm, really, does that matter? <laughs> really, do I need to be, do I even want to do that? You know, I think everybody's sort of gone into this. I'm going to really just look at life through a different lens now. And um, that's, that's you know, what that program was really designed to, to help them with as well, so. Awesome. I love that. <laughs> so Jody, you had mentioned that um, pre-pandemic, you were used to a schedule of running for airplanes and whatnot. Uh, and now you've been able to refocus on how the digital world can propel you moving forward. Laura, yeah. is the same true for you? Were you frequently meeting with clients at their base or were you sort of a remote worker to begin with and this didn't change your landscape too much? Oh, no, it changed the landscape. (laughs) Oh, my heavenly days. Yes. Well, because I used to uh, spend about half of my time uh, with clients and New York City is where I had a base as well as in Southern California. I'm I'm speaking to you today from San Diego, but I also have uh, a residence in New York City. But I would say that's very much changed. I believe that What's really happened is our, my industry, the fashion industry and retail in general has been forced, you know, really to just, like I said, stop and look around, listen to what's going on and, and adapt because we are not going to go back. You know, when we say new abnormal, that's the truth because there's really not going to be the same kind of retail. There's not going to be the same kind of, um, interaction with the customers. And the other thing is that I think the customers, it's what Jody was saying. It's its actually, that's perfect. You realize that some of those things, oh, you know, maybe I needed that. No, I don't need that. So you really 
have to realign uh, what you're doing if you're a fashion brand with your customers. And if I had to say anything, it has never been more important to talk to your customers and to listen to your customers and actually to learn from your customers. We are really finding that to be true. The successful fashion brands are the brands that are doing that. And they're figuring out a way to create communities with customers. And in the conscious fashion industry, that's really important because the next generations, you know, my grandchildren, I'm a mother and a grandmother, and I see how they're changing the shape of what's going to happen in the industry. And we need to listen to them. Very, very true. I'm going to just chime in here real quick uh, to Laura's point, you know, the, the idea of being relevant is, is really, really important right now. And, um, having to, I hate, I hate using the word pivot because it's overused, but it's really the best word to describe it. The companies that are staying ahead of the curve or thinking one, two, three, ten 10 steps ahead of the what ifs, you know, are, are really leading, leading their industries. And coupled with the fact, again, like Laura said, you know, I believe in the beginning of all of this, back, back at, as my oldest daughter said, she's like, you know, mom, we were so cute back in March. We, we thought it was a cute vacation. We were so naive and cute. I'm like, no, we really were. We were like baking and tie-dyeing. I'm like, yeah, I remember. Right. <laughs> we had no clue. So, um, but, you know, I think so much of the conversation back then was, well, when we get back to normal, when we get back to normal. And what I kept sharing with friends, family, clients was, you you're, there's no normal to go back to. This is for yeah. something like this is not just a little blip on the radar. We are forever changed. So if we're not looking to create a new normal, um, you know, break up with the idea of going back to anything because nothing that we knew is is what it is today. So I think the more we can wrap our head around change is okay. <laughs> we're going to mm-hmm. be just fine. It's just going to be different. And we have to embrace that unknown factor. And also just, again, think ahead, have some foresight. What, what, what are our best guesses? You know, I think it also makes it easier than to think, you know, there's some magic pixie dust that gets sprinkled on December 31st and it's 2021 and it's all mm-hmm. over. It's like, it's not going to really work that way. So yeah, I think that, uh, you know, we need, we need to just grasp onto the fact that, you know, there's certain principles that we need to keep leading with moving into the new year and beyond, but, you know, to, to think that it's going to be back to the way it was, that's, we're, we're different. We're different. Exactly. We're different businesses. We, we look and act and do things differently than before. Yeah. But that's okay. And like you said, we're, we're shifting, we're learning. We definitely went through that cute phase, like you <laughs> said, of like, we're so oblivious. Oh, it's going to go away. And, and now we're, we're adapting, but it's amazing to see what the companies, what companies are doing when, yes, they were forced to in the beginning, but yeah. now in a lot of these cases, it's, it's opening up new opportunities. I mean, the fact that even right now today, the four of us are remote and, you know, a lot of times, at least one of us is in the studio or something. We've got Karen behind the scenes. That's the producer. She's obviously in the studio right now, but it allows us to essentially cram more into the day too. But we're seeing that there, there are some, some little token things, some little highlights that are coming out of it. Is there anything that the two of you have seen that is like, like a little token that in the beginning you were forced into, but now you're like, oh, this is great. And maybe something that you're going to continue doing even as this, obviously, like you said, doesn't really go back to normal, but is there anything that either one of you have as kind of a, 
well, I got forced into this, but now this little tidbit's may not roll well for me. <laughs> do you guys have anything? I definitely do. Um, one of my my biggest mental blocks, and I'm I'm totally okay admitting it now, although I probably would have vehemently denied it uh, a year ago. No, I'm just teasing. But I've always had this belief that I have to be with people, in front of people, touching, feeling, hugging. Like I, I need that. That's me. That's my personality. That's how I train. And I would look at a computer screen as like this door. You know, I, I can't do that. I can't connect. I can't feel like it's just not going to work. And I just had that limiting belief. And then I had this sort of conscious reframe of, okay, this is the tool I have today. And there are people that need, need this and need us. How, how am I going to make this work? So I literally had the conscious reframe of, okay, this is not a door. It is a window. It is a window for you to connect with the world and you just get, get to figure out a new way of doing this. So it was, um, and that was a learning curve for me. I mean, again, you know, oftentimes we put these blocks up for ourselves and that was one for me. I just thought, oh my God, I can't do it. It's not going to feel right. And, you know, here we are doing these, these powerful trainings and events. And I'm like, dang, okay, yes, <laughs> this, this is a, a all possible. So it was actually a, a really rewarding, fun, new insight that came from a really cruddy year. <laughs> Good for you. That's very well put, Jody. It. I like that you know, a door versus a window. I've actually kind of thought, well, someone said uh, a few weeks ago, uh, we were on a call together talking about, you know, what's going to happen next. And someone said, maybe this didn't happen to us. Maybe this actually happened for all of us. Mm. Stop and look and, listen and think about what we want business to be in the future, because it's, it's forced us all to say, oh, Maybe, you know, I always thought maybe I should do that, but now I know I need to do it. Yep. I like your door window. And I actually, we, we started playing around with, you know, I used to think, oh, okay, I'm up against a wall. Well, maybe we need to look at walls coming down and bridges being built because you can do it. Yep. The absolutely amazing thing for me on Zoom calls the last eight months is having children and pets. And, you know... We thought, okay, we would never do that in a real world situation, but it's so humanizing and it's really helped so many times. So all the rules we thought were those protocols that we had to keep to, you know, it's time to rethink all of them because it's a new world. <laughs> so true. I think uh, to, to that point, the, the kids, the dogs, the doorbell ringing, all of those human things, you know, one of my, my core beliefs and core values is authenticity. So in anything, I'm always like, just be real. Like I, there, if there's anything that like is nails down a chalkboard, it's, you know, the whole act as if I'm like, Oh, stop that. Just be you, <laughs> you know, be yourself. And if you mess up, that's cool. Just keep on going. And, uh, you know, I, I think those things are so charming and endearing. And I do think that it's, you know, built these bridges of connection. People feel like, Oh, we're in this together. Oh, I get you. You get me. And I think there's a, a deeper bond because it's like, oh, you have a dog too. Oh, what's it? let me see what you know what I mean? Or crying babies or whatever it is. It's just this is real life. And and to me, it's again, it's almost been one of the the, the positives or the upsides. It's like, okay, we can all like let down our hair a little bit and be like, okay, we're all human. We're all dealing with the same stuff. Like, let's you know cut the, the silly stuff and pretend like everybody's you know not wearing sweatpants below the screen right now. Come on. Right. Let's, 
Wait, I thought the camera was up. <laughs> um, no, I love all that because that's always been one of the things that has been endearing for me about the workplace being where we can actually go about elevating humanity. And it's because uh, even before I could see your dog nosing at you on your Zoom. No, I'm not talking to you explicitly, Kendra. I'm using that as a Sorry. Um, but, but you wouldn't care. You go to work to serve people and to go about your mission, and you don't care what the political stripe of the person in the cube next to you is or where they grew up or what their religious background. None of that matters. You show up to work, you spend a lot of time with one another, and you just drive forward. And so I think this could even fast track that even more as far as our ability to get to know one another authentically, as you say, Jody. I know what uh, Barry Waymiller, one of the poster child of, uh, of a conscious organization, one of the very first things they do with their new hires is they put them through an empathy training. That's their go-to course. Is before we even talk about the widgets and, and the SKU numbers, we're going to talk about how we go about listening to one another and putting ourselves in their shoes so that we can work together. Uh, and everything you're, you're both sharing totally reinforces that. I love it. I'm curious. So, uh, Jody, you talk about, I believe your languaging is how do you um, master a mindset for success? Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit about success. And do we do we put new parameters on success on a, on a pandemic year? Or is it really this is no different than any other storm that might blow through? Blow through? You know, this is sort of uh, doesn't care what industry you're in or how big or small you are, you're going to be impacted by this. But yeah. does it does it change anything? And maybe I'll go back to my first question. Like, what what is it that you come to the table with when you talk about success and the mindset required for? Yeah, well, I think I think one of the first things and what I've I've been sharing with people for for the past whatever it's been now eight nine months um, is the idea of some some grace <laughs> because. I feel like so many of us in general, especially if you're like type A driver type personality, like to control things, like to move the needle, go, go, go. This has really rocked, you know, rocked those of us that are wired like that to the core. So giving yourself just a little grace and saying, you know what, this is what it is. No one knew, no one saw, you know, and looking at what the goals were and what they are. And, you know, sometimes we feel off the mark. I mean, that can happen in any year. This year, we might not even be on the page <laughs> that we thought we'd in the book, <laughs> in the sure. you know series that we think we'd be in. So I think this is one of those things where we have to have some grace and, and care for ourselves and each other. Um, I think that's the biggest thing. Again, you know, I, I I really feel it's it's I'm always wired to believe pace of the leader, pace of the pack type mentality. Right now, you know, I, I don't know, my team and I, you know, we're we're talking regularly, checking in, how are you doing? How are your kids? How are your spouse? You know, we have that culture, obviously that's, it's what we train. It's what we live, but I'm seeing more of that. And I really feel like that's something that, you know, I'm encouraging more and more is just check on each other and, and be human with each other and know that, you know, sometimes you just have to take a deep breath and go, who the heck knew, like really who the heck knew and, and that it would be going on so long. So just have to have a little grace. And, and, you know, for, for many of us in industries that were just completely shuttered, it's, it's been a a rocky, scary ride. So, you know, if you don't take care of yourself through that, you could, you could spiral quickly. So it, it really, to me is, is the mindset piece starts with grace and then, okay, what, what are we looking at? What are our plans? And really, I'd say the second piece is being really flexible and adaptable because, yeah, I can't even tell you how many times we rescheduled something thinking that, you know, oh, okay, well, by that point, by that point, I'm sure 
you know, at this point, it's like, who the heck knows? It's like throwing confetti in the air. Like, oh, we'll see. Right. <laughs> January, yep. June, who knows? You know? so, so I'd say grace and, and then that flexibility and adaptability are, are probably the keys right now. That's perfect. How about for you, Laura? Everything Jody is saying is just so <laughs> resonating for me, uh, for my clients, you know, what we've all had to go through. I love grace. Grace is one of those words that I have just rediscovered <laughs> over the past uh, seven to eight months. Uh, and, and a little bit of grit, grit and grace right now is getting us all through. I don't even know. I would also add that we are in this together and we really are. And, you know, maybe that's one of the bonuses that's happened, at least for my partners and I and the conscious capitalism community. You know, if I went to a conscious capitalism event, uh, I got to see a certain amount of people. But, you know, Zoom has some real like pluses and this, this whole ability for us to meet people we never would have met and to talk to people we never would have. What we're doing today is extraordinary. I'm getting to meet awesome people that I probably wouldn't have gotten to meet and have a great conversation with. And I go back because I'm in the, the fashion industry and consumer goods industry. We tell our clients now, you know, this is a really extraordinary opportunity to get closer to the consumers that you want to convert to customers because these are extraordinary times. You can talk to them in a way that you didn't get, you know, the ability to do before. And that's going to be what makes brands, I think, successful. Giving the customer what they want. I'm in an industry and I say, you know, when I started in the fashion industry, I used to tell you guys what to wear. I'd be like, okay, pink is the color this season and you will buy it. And this is the length of your skirts and all that. And sorry, uh, Jeremy, I'm on the ladies. Jeremy, you have to get the pink skirt too. Sorry. (laughs) But you know, now the customer tells us it's a whole different world. So maybe that's true for other industries, but it's certainly true for mine. Yeah. Laura, you mentioned how, you know, it gives us the opportunity to meet and connect with folks that we really haven't had the opportunity to before. Um, we're seeing with a lot of companies, it's also opening their, their bandwidth, their spread of reach as well, because now if you're opening up a pool, even if it's, you know, say for a job, for example, you don't have to just look at the population that's right here in Phoenix. If, I mean, everyone's remote, why don't you expand your search? And now you're looking at people across the country. The same thing with looking at future customers, right? Future clients. It doesn't have to be right here. Why can't you just reach out and find some folks in in other areas? How have you kind of been able to reach and expand your network and your opportunities a little bit more? Have there been like maybe that client that you were like, oh, we really want to, but they're kind of out of our area. Have you had the opportunity to kind of reach out and expand your your network for clients and customer base? I have, absolutely. We have a brand new client who is based in Delhi, India. And uh, they have a new fashion brand. They were part of the food and beverage industry. They are part of the conscious capitalism community. And and he and his uh, team said, we probably wouldn't have gone outside of our network, but now... We're doing that because we've met so many of you. I met this gentleman on a Zoom call. 
you know, with a bunch of other conscious capitalists. So, yes, I, I think that's very, very much a new way of doing business and looking at the world and your potential employees and your potential customers differently. Awesome. Jody, how about you? Have you been able to kind of expand, reach, um, and even some clients and some customers a little bit? Absolutely. Um, one of my big, I guess, COVID projects, <laughs> like I said, was creating some some new programming, one of which I mentioned, but um, another one, and, and that's been my really, my big labor of love is uh, going to be launching, uh, Uniproof turns 12 in December. So uh, on 12-12 at 12 p.m., I'm making this yeah. big announcement of this new launch uh, of something that will really allow us to reach anyone, anywhere, anytime. And that that to me is like, wow, you know, it's no, it's not an in-person program, obviously, um, but it's an additional arm of being able to extend to say, hey, you know what, it's midnight in Tokyo and you can chime in and be a part of something and feel that support and that coaching and that guidance. And, you know, you can, you can be at any age, anywhere. And we've never had the opportunity to do that before because we just hadn't created it or worked on it, like I said. So um, that to me has just been the biggest thing because, you know, we, we have clients that, that travel to Phoenix or we travel to them, you know, in, in normal circumstances. However, unless we would go to them or they'd come to us, that was, that was sort of it. And now it's like, oh my gosh, the support for our graduates and our alumni. I mean, there's something they can plug into that they'll have at their fingertips every single week. Like how exciting, you know? So yeah, it's been, it's been for us, it's, it's an exciting time. Good for you both. That's great to hear. Uh, I was curious. So Laura, let's say you are sitting down in an engagement. You mentioned that, uh, that close nearby neighbor of a client that lives in Delhi, India. So the profit piece is always the easy part of the conversation, right? That's an easy one to measure up. Where were you at before we began our engagement? Where are we at at the end? What are some of those other things when you're talking triple bottom line and you're talking about being a conscious stakeholder-centered organization, uh, how do you go about finding areas to measure whether you're having the influence you want to have or not? You've just raised a question that we actually have talked about quite a bit. And I understand what you just said when you said it's easy, you know, to talk about the profit metrics. Actually, that's a hard one. Okay, let's dig into that. No, it's you bring up a really valid uh, concern and, and conversation that we're all having is how do we measure anything, right? You know, measurement tools. And I, we say, you know, we measure what matters. And it's measured. And I would say right now, my industry and maybe all of, you know, the retail consumer goods and and all brands, you know, we're in a for profit business. We're all trying to think now about how do we measure things? Uh, We are really involved right now with with a group of people and banking and business right now. My partners and I we're working on looking at a social wealth index, for example, because we actually are beginning to realize all of us, conscious capitalism leading the way as as business leaders, we can't look at just that bottom line. That triple bottom line means people and planet. It means human capital and natural capital. And we're all coming up against finite resources. In the fashion industry, absolutely. We have to change. So, what you just said was a mouthful, Jeremy. It was really, really kind of, you've put your finger on the pulse of what we 
have to do with our clients and tough conversations now about in order for you to be profitable. Again, it goes back to start somewhere, progress over perfection, because you can't all of a sudden tomorrow turn out to be, you know, oh, everything with our supply chain and people is perfect and we're not going to pollute the, you know, the environment anymore. I, I'm not into shaming people or blaming. I'm into helping people and let's celebrate successes. And if you're headed in the right direction, momentum's a great thing, I believe, for, uh, for me, for my clients, for our industry as a whole. That makes good sense. So you're telling me you don't have the secret decoder ring that I can go take and apply. <laughs> I wish. For <laughs> every business show. Okay. Yes. I had to ask oh. you to fault me for going there. Uh, no, that was a good one, Jeremy. How about you, Jody? When you are, in, uh, in, you know, getting into uh, an initiative with somebody and you're launching a training initiative, how do you go about knowing where where success gets defined, where where you move the me- uh, meters for them or didn't? How do you approach that? Yeah, you know, it's it's an interesting thing because it's you know people are such a an interesting variable. Um, so for us, you know, you can see those bottom line results by, you know, profitability and all of those things, but there's a, a palpable feel, a cultural feel that um, it's hard to sometimes equate to, you know, a measurable metrics, but right. when we do, you know, assessments and, you know, post uh, graduations and, and things like that, and then the follow-up, you know, two months, six months, a year later, it's remarkable. And, and then you also look at, you know, just retention and um, new hire opportunities. You know, a lot of young people today are looking for culture. They want to be a part of something bigger than themselves. They want to have a social impact. They want to make a difference. They, you know, they tend to bop around more uh, between careers because they they want something to be a part of something that matters. So um, when they feel valued and that they're going to grow as a as a person, not just an employee, um, that's something that you know it's an intangible. But when you do the follow up and have those conversations, it's remarkable. And the, lots of the feedback we get, you know, parallels that saying, "Oh my gosh, you know, our team just acts differently. There's a different level of support. There's a different level of caring." You know, and. And again, you know, latest statistic I had read, you know, 87% of people had said, you know, it was not money that made them leave their most recent career. It was the culture that was not feeling a part of something, again, bigger than themselves. So um, that's the piece I always, you know, really look to define up front is, you know, yes, you will see some kind of a positive growth impact on your bottom line. However, some of this isn't going to be a tomorrow thing. You know, it's going to take some time. But when you incorporate this kind of thinking and philosophy and caring and, and humanity into an organization, um, especially in such a numbers-based world, wow, <laughs> you know, that that's something that it's harder to put your finger on. But when you see it, sure. it's there. Makes sense. Yeah. So it's how they feel coming out of it. It's yeah. less about the, here were the objectives we put on our chart to begin with and how did we do against it? Yeah. And I think a lot of people have a misnomer, especially at least for for my company and, and, you know, others in my industry, perhaps that, you know, oh, it's, you know, they're going to feel great for a day or a week. And then, you know, then what, how do you make it stick? And to me, that's always been the big piece is, you know, this is not about a a hypey rah-rah thing. This is when you tap into your purpose and how your purpose aligns with your organization's purpose and you find that beautiful match. Whoa, (laughs) you know, that's what it's about. When you figure out, wait a minute, maybe I'm not the best person to be in this role, or maybe, maybe I, I, you know, need to shift my, my focus to something different. Then you really get the, again, the right people in the right seats on the bus. And, and again, the bus bus moves a lot faster when, when everybody's in doing, doing the work they are meant to do. That's true. Absolutely true. 
Jody, one of the things that you mentioned, you mentioned young people and searching for that right company and culture and, and, and purpose. And so many times we forget that in a lot of circumstances, the youth are a stakeholder, right? So one thing I definitely want to make sure, Laura's shaking her head. Um, yes. So one thing I definitely wanted to make sure we highlight and we talk about today is, is that in itself, you know, students and youth and kids that are stakeholders. Both of you are doing work in different ways with supporting that and helping teens and helping young ones to realize that they are a stakeholder and that they can make these changes and they can make growth and, you know, progression happen as well. So I, I want to start with Laura, with you, because you do have your new book, which is the ABCs of conscious capitalism for kids. I have the book and I love it. And I will say, (laughs) right. And I, I, Thank you. Right? <laughs> and and I'll almost say the way that it's set up, like workbook activity wise, I don't think it's just for kids. I had my stepdaughter read it, but I think I had more fun with it too. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about, you know, the why behind this. Why did you want to highlight that, you know, children are stakeholders and what brought you to writing this awesome book? <laughs> well, be shamelessly posting and telling everybody about it anyway. Thank you so much. I wrote the book and I I wrote the book as a legacy of love and a lesson for my grandchildren. Because as I said, I am a mother and a grandmother. I think one of my heroes, okay, Frederick Douglass, he was an amazing man. And over a hundred years ago, he said, it's easier to build strong children than to repair broken men. I, that just keeps resonating for me. It, it always has. And I have never been more convinced. Uh, when I wrote the book, I didn't know what was going to happen. You know, none of us did. So the book launched in February and then everything happened. I think children are stakeholders. They're very important stakeholders. and. We all have to realize, you know, the future. I, I love our indigenous nations uh, who believe that seven generations down the line is what we should be thinking about any decision we make. And I, I'm really trying to embrace that. So our children are stakeholders. And what I've learned over the past uh, eight months, I actually was part of Conscious Capitalism San Diego. We had an event a few months ago where we actually invited the kids. We talked about kidpreneurs. We had three kidpreneurs in San Diego talk. And it was, you know, so this was a Zoom call while you're, where your kids were there deliberately. It was just a hoot. I loved it. Oh, so fabulous. I admire anyone who works with children. I've learned so much. And what I've learned is that they can teach us just as much. You know, it's amazing what we can all learn from them as much as what they can learn from us. And I will also add, finding out what Jody does with her uh, foundation for teenagers, for me, just kind of made it like, this is going to be a great talk today because we are both, you know, really grounded in our commitment 
to kids. And I think it's amazing and we need to do more of it. And so I salute you, Jody. Oh, well, thank you, my dear. I mean, it, it takes all of us doing, doing our part, right? Doing our piece of the puzzle. So yes, thank you. Yeah, yeah Jody, please, share, please share about your, your leadership program and the foundation. Yeah. So uh, I think it's been six, seven years. I don't even know that the, the math, it's math, it's numbers. It's not my world. Um, <laughs> words, I like words. Um, I think it's been six, seven years now. Uh, we started, we'd, we'd always done programs for adults and individuals, corporate, um, but never anything for kids. And one thing that I kept hearing over and over from our adult graduates was, man, Jody, if I would have had this when I was younger, oh my gosh, I would have done things differently. I realized, you know, they they tap into their worth and their purpose and what mattered. And after hearing that enough times, you know, the rattle in my head was, well, what if, what if we could work with high school age kids and impart this knowledge 14 to 18, you know, what if we modified our, you the leader program, but did you the teen leader and allowed these high school kids to get that confidence and their voice matters and their opinion counts. And, you know, it's okay to step out of the box and do something different and, and, you know, break the norms, you know, teach, just teaching them to have that confidence and belief in themselves. And I'll tell you, I could, I could speak on this for, for literally days because of the fact that what we've seen and witnessed is nothing short of jaw-dropping. Kids that would come in that could not look past their shoelaces, two and a half days later are speaking to an audience of 200 plus people saying, you know what, my life is worth living. And I was cutting and I was, you know, and I, I contemplated suicide. I'd attempted suicide. I realized mom, dad, I'm sorry for the things I've done. I mean, the things, there's not a dry eye in the house because these kids realize they matter. And sure. you are, you know, kids from all walks of life, you know, and it started out when we started you, the team leader, it really started out, you know, a lot of our graduates would send their kids. It was kind of a little grassroots, you know, here we go. What I never expected out of the gates when I announced that we were doing this is so many of our graduates said, Jody, I'd like to personally sponsor a child. And it was like, mm. what? Yeah, I want to pay it forward. And that's what then created the idea of, well, what if I create foundation. You know, there's companies, there's people that want to give back to this next generation, or I love seven generations. What if we could create that? So, you know, to date, we've we scholarship well over 50 kids on, on full scholarships through the program. And I can't tell you, you know, the, the letters, the texts, the emails, the things that I hear from these kids, where they are today, what they've done. It's nothing short of remarkable. These kids are amazing. And I, I truly, truly believe that if we listened more than we spoke to our kids and asked them questions and invited their ideas and opinions and allowed them to know that they, what they say matters and that we care and that we're listening with an open mind. The the depth of what they've shared and what I've learned from these kids is some of the, the deepest knowledge I've ever, ever gained. I'm sure that's true. Wow. So true. Yes. <laughs> I feel like there could be some collaboration in the future with the two of you. I know. I <laughs> think so. I right? think you guys are so cool putting us all together here. <laughs> no accidents. No accidents. Yes. Yes. For sure. For sure. I love that. Laura, as you were writing the book, were there some things that um, stood out to you as learning opportunities for you as you were distilling your thoughts to paper? 
someone who's never gone through that process, I'm curious as you're trying to make the concepts of conscious capitalism child digestible, if you will. Yes, yes. It was really interesting. And I had a focus group because I had grandchildren and I have some nieces and nephews. So I was, you know, I was pretty much just anybody. I had no pride. It was like, what do you think? And I would, and I would also say that uh, roundtable companies, I'll give a shout out, Conscious Capitalism Press is the arm for which this book was published. And I was one of the founding authors and so proud to be. And Roundtable Companies is a wonderful place to get a book published. So I'll shout out that if you want to. Uh, Use and write a book. Use RTC. I would also add that there's a quote. So there are 26 little bite-sized chapters in the book. And there's a quote for every letter. And I was gobsmacked. I was just so amazed that there was nobody that I didn't ask for a quote that didn't give me one. I mean, we had, I get quote, I got a quote from Melinda Gates. I got a quote from, well, all the leaders in the conscious capitalism community, Rose Marcario from Patagonia, uh, shout out to conscious capitalism. Arizonians gave quotes, Matt Altman for stakeholders and Brian Moore for voluntary um, exchange. So it made me, it excited me when I got to, into it and started doing it, it became so exciting. And it really happened really fast because I just got a very, very motivated by it. But I couldn't have done it without the whole community. And Kendra, you're right. What's happened since the book came out and we are selling, it's so nice. And all of, every, every, I just want everyone to know also the The profits from this book are all going to Pachamama Alliance and Lynn Twist, who is on the board of Conscious Capitalism. Uh, I went to the Amazon rainforest last week. You did. Yes. And finishing the book after I got back from the Amazon rainforest was really kind of, it, it was transformational. So I think that what I'm, what I've learned is that kids can change the world. They're changing the world. Let's all just think about if you had said to me two years ago, even that a young Swedish girl named Greta Thunberg would do what she did and get all of all of the world talking about our climate and what we're all going through. I would have thought that was not possible. So I think children are changing the world. They can change the world. And uh, and I am now committed to talking to Jody right after this is over. Yeah. <laughs> You guys bring people together in a very good way. It's wonderful. We, we do, but it's it's this whole conversation, the topic. Like you said, you've you reached out to some very high-level people to say, hey, I just want a quote to be able to put in this book. And everybody jumping in to support, it's it's something to say about this community. And you know, I hope that the two of you do have a conversation after this. Because I do think there's some really amazing alignment for for the two of you. Um, and if, you know, maybe it's something where there's a conscious capitalism, there's a improved for, you know, you and improved for the younger ages too. My stepdaughter will be doing it, I promise. <laughs> because I can't, so I'll have her do it. Um, but there's, I just, I love what both of you are doing. You're both doing amazing things for the 
conscious capitalism world and the community in general. I, I hope that there's some, you know, collaboration down the road with both of you. Um, before we start to wrap up, and I do have the two of you give a few more bites, I do want to bounce back over to Jeremy to hear his thoughts or anything before we give you two ladies the chance to uh, wrap up, because believe it or not, it is almost an hour. It happens quickly. Yeah. I, I was the, the only other uh, curiosity I had for both of you was sort of what what's next? What's around the corner? Uh, we've got this uh, 2020 year of experience and changes. Jody, I know I need to wait till 1212 12 at 12. For the big <laughs> announcement. I won't ask you to down. put any foreshadowing beyond what you've done, but just in general, whether it be with this this lag segment that we spoke to about you know, influencing the future generation of leaders and however we can, or with your personal journeys and your business. I'm just curious what, if anything, uh, looks to be bell ringing in the future for you. Yeah, I mean, for us, we we are just excited to get back to doing what we do and doing more of it. And now, of course, expanding in this this new forum too. So yeah, we just we're we're just chomping at the bit to get to get doing the work that we love to do so much and and being with people and uh, you know doing doing the live things uh, coupled with the with the virtuals. So yeah, just let us let us back in there. Yeah, it's like, let's it's like let the out of the cage already. Remember Scrappy Doo? You know, like let me at him, let me at him. That's what I'm feeling like. I'm like, come on, I want to go, I want to go. <laughs> I echo, good. I echo what Jody said. This has been a, a a year of forced reflection, of coming to grips uh, because we did have to stop, look, and listen to what was going on and what's happened. You know, the word unprecedented is an overused word, but it really is. So we've never had a moment like this. So what we do with it. You know, again, for the future, it's really, I think it's what Jody said. And I, I think it's given me and my partners at WISE the opportunity to think about how we want to pivot and that we do. And that we are going to be, and we've decided, Dawn, Helene, and I, three women who've been doing this for a while, we're going to do more of being the guides on the side as well as the sages on the stage. I think this is a moment where sharing uh, what we have, sharing our mic, sharing our knowledge for the next generation and for a real diverse group of uh, future capitalists has never been more important. Well said. I love that. Well, ladies, we are so honored that we had the bold in this conversation. Before we take off, I do want to give each one of you the opportunity to if you have anything else you want to say, but also how our listeners can reach you. Um, if it's, you know, even figuring out how to join one of your sessions, Jody, or, you know, Laura finding the book, I want to give that opportunity to the both of you. So Laura, I'll start with you. Thank you. Well, you can reach me. Uh, okay. The book is available, Conscious Capitalism Press. If, if you go to the Conscious Capitalism Inc. website, it's available at Amazon and Barnes and Noble. Uh, I am available through LinkedIn. And I think you're providing everybody who's listening today with uh, either our LinkedIn or our uh, Twitter. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so I am absolutely ready, willing, and able to talk to anyone about, you know, how we advance um, <clears throat> the purpose uh, and the future of conscious capitalism, especially for our children. And I would end with uh, another 
thing that I, I really believe is important is if we want to go fast, go alone. But if we want to go far, go together. I think it's never been more important for all of us to go together. And now I have more of you who are going to go together with me and all of us. Thank you very much. You bet we do. Welcome. Laura, that couldn't have been more perfect because that particular quote is the anchor quote of our You the Warrior program. So there was clearly alignment here. (laughs) All the time. So uh, yeah, all that linking arms. But uh, yes, thank you to all of you for for the opportunity to to just spend time and connect and share today. I I so appreciate it. And uh, yeah, anyone who would love to connect, I'm of course on LinkedIn and all the social sites. Uh, our website is youandimproved.com. It's spelled with the letter U, just like everything is with a U in my world. So uh, Jody, J-O-D-I at youandimproved.com. So uh, always happy to connect with individuals, companies, anyone who's really looking to just, again, positively impact their communities, uh, whether that's their communities at home, at work, or their, you know, their legitimate communities that they live in and are a part of. Uh, that's the work that I and we at Unimprove love to do. Awesome. But we are so appreciative of both of you making time and sharing some wisdom. Um, we uh, encourage anybody to go check out ccarizona.org to learn more about our chapter. And that's uh, an ever moving website. So come back and visit often. Thanks to the members and the sponsors who make this show possible. And we can't wait to have another exciting conversation coming next month. Thank you for listening to People in Profit, where we showcase the businesses that are elevating humanity through their work right here in Arizona. Learn more about us at ccarizona.org.